Running a startup comes with a variety of challenges, particularly when you live and work in a country with a language and culture that's different to your own. Priscilla is the Canadian founder of the Barcelona-based startup Vida. It's a subscription-based app that gives you free drinks in different bars and restaurants throughout the city. It allows subscribers to explore Barcelona's hotspots and help venues attract new customers. In short, it's a great way to get a taste of what this vibrant city has to offer. Priscilla's story is about the rewards and challenges of entrepreneurship, but it is also the story of Barcelona and its thriving startup culture. The city is more than just blue skies, good food, and mesmerizing architecture. Over the last decade, it has steadily attracted innovators and has been developing an ecosystem of incubators, investors, and business schools to nurture a new generation of European businesses. I'm Yasmina Sakat, and you're listening to Not That Original, a podcast that brings you stories that may not be so different from your own. Priscilla, you're an entrepreneur. What led you down that path? Wow. Um, so I think it had a lot to do with my environment. Uh, so I always um, grew up around entrepreneurship. My parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, my dad, when I was just three years old um, from Montreal, took us all the way down to Florida, Orlando, Florida, um, to basically start wor- working at a hotel, which he ended up um, owning a few years later. Um, so I kind of grew up in, in this hotel environment. Um, spent all my summers there as a kid, you know, and I I would see my parents um, work so hard, um, but at the same time, just enjoy, you know, reap the benefits of of being entrepreneurs and being their own bosses. So, uh, you know, I grew up around around them, but then also my extended family as well. I have so many cousins, aunts, and uncles who really, you know, their whole lives, they've been entrepreneurs. And just growing up around this, it's what I've become accustomed to. It's what I've uh, learned to be the norm and what I love. What's your earliest memory of wanting to start a business? (laughs) So I was in the the fifth grade and um, blow pops were the thing back then in Orlando. Um, So these are these lollipops filled with, you know, gum or um, sometimes there were Tootsie Pops, which are filled with these things called Tootsie Rolls, these little candies. Uh, yeah, they were all the craze in the fifth grade. And I remember um, going to Walmart with my mom and buying a huge bouquet of blow pops one day. And the next day at school, everyone wanted them. So I you know, started to sell them. Naturally, being the entrepreneur I am, uh, I started to sell them at a dollar a pop, which, um, I, you know, I don't remember what the price of blow pops were that that those days or the the massive bouquet that I bought, but it was quite a profit. So um, just already in the fifth grade, I had these entrepreneurial tendencies. 
Um, of course, that didn't last too long. My teachers told me I, I couldn't continue to do that, so I had to stop at some point. What do you like about running your own business? So I think for me, the number one thing is the stimulation. So I've worked for you know other companies inevitably throughout my career, and um, the thing that I felt I was lacking most was being super stimulated. Uh, it's super important to me. And running your own business, you know, I feel like I'm constantly um, just all over the place. You know, I as a, a CEO, I hate that title, but as a CEO, I'm doing anything from marketing and sales to raising financing to dealing with IP issues, um, you know, to taking out the garbage <laughs> some days. Um, you kind of have to do what you have to do. And because I'm touching so many different areas of the business, I'm not always you know, really familiar with, I have to learn along the way. Um, so, you know, luckily we have the internet these days and it makes things a lot easier, but also tapping into my network, um, just uh, trying to research and learn as much as I possibly can about these different areas is super stimulating. And of course you just learn along the way as well. Startups are inherently risky. How much of that risk drives you and how much of it scares you? Yeah, that's a good question. There's definitely a fine line. Um, so I think I kind of thrive off of that fear as well, you know, when something negative happens, um, I can really look at it and be like, this makes me even stronger. And, you know, I'm even more driven than before, um, to make this happen and I'm going to show them, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, they really, I think they go hand in hand. Um, uh, I think that, that fear, uh, that risk, it, it really can fuel an entrepreneur. Um, at the same time, you know, it creates lows as well. You have really rough days, um, but it's all part of entrepreneurship. You have to be able to deal with it and really thrive off of it. Have you ever had any moments when you wanted to throw in the towel? What made you persevere? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so not too many times with Beta. Um, in the past, you know, I've uh, started other types of ventures. And um, yeah, there, there are moments where, you know, you realize that you have to move on. Um, with Beta, I've had, uh, you know, I can think of two distinct times where it was just really overwhelming. I was going through a lot and um, maybe didn't, you know, have the support that I needed at, at that particular moment. Um, but, you know, you have to find your way back out. And I think that's what really separates entrepreneurs who um, are made for this and, and those who aren't. Um, so, you know, when I caught myself in, in those moments where I was really down and waking up in the morning um, to do what I normally loved was all of a sudden really dreadful, um, I had to find a way out of it. So for me, reading is really important. So I'll try to find um, books or articles that can inspire me or get my motivation back up, uh, speaking with, um, with people, with friends, with family, with, uh, other entrepreneurs, um, you know, really proactively reaching out to, um, be able to share what's going on with yourself, which is not always easy, right? Not everyone understands what you're going through, but trying to, to find that, that right person at that right moment who can possibly help you get back out. And then part of it is just, you know, looking inside yourself and, and realizing the bigger picture of why you did all this and getting out of that slump. Um, it's all temporary, right? Like tomorrow's always a, a better day. So I think that's what I try to focus on is like this is whatever I'm going through at that moment. It's, it's something temporary and uh, it can only get better, you know. 
What qualities are necessary to become a successful entrepreneur in your view? So I definitely think perseverance. Um, like I was saying before, when you know, you're know you in the slump, you have to be able to look inside you and, and think about why you did this and be able to bring yourself back out of it. Not everyone has a strong support network. And um, if you cannot persevere, if you don't have resilience, so that's another trait, um, it would be really, really hard, I think, to be a successful entrepreneur. There are times where I just feel totally, you know, beat down, like nothing is going right. And um, you have to be able to keep going at those moments. You can't throw in the towel and give up. That's the really easy thing to do, but it's not going to get you anywhere, really. You know, I haven't met any entrepreneur who told me, hey, it was super easy. I got where I am now. It was a breeze and, you know, there were no struggles along the way. Everyone I know who has made it, you know, tells me dreadful stories about things that happened to them and times they almost gave up, um, but they were able to get through those moments. So I think that's really important. So resilience is a key factor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You completed your MBA in Barcelona and then moved back to Montreal. How did you end up back in Barcelona? <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I graduated from ESA in 2014. I went back to Canada with my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and um, kind of dreaded it. <laughs> you know, I was I was there in the cold and remembering Barcelona and the good old days. And, um, you know, I really, I, I feel such a strong affinity towards Europe. So being back in Montreal was quite tough for me. Um, and after about two years, my, uh, at that point, it was my husband. Um, my husband and I started speaking about other opportunities, potentially moving somewhere else. Um, we were quite open in terms of where we would move. So we were looking into you know, Vancouver, California, uh, perhaps back to Barcelona. And I was basically, you know, applying for jobs, looking out for new opportunities. And, um, one day I was laying in bed, you know, getting ready to go to bed, to go to sleep. And, um, I started reading TechCrunch on my, on my phone. And I came across an article about, uh, a company in the U S who had just started this drink a day subscription. And they had just raised, um, quite a significant amount of funding, and um, I couldn't stop thinking about the concept. I thought it was so cool. So I you know, kept Googling, reading everything I could possibly find that night um, about this company. And then a few hours later, so probably 3 or 4 a.m., I woke my husband up, who was next to me, <laughs> and basically told him I needed to go to Barcelona. So <laughs> he kind of propped up in bed and he was like, is everything okay? We just got married last month, you know, like what's going on? <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously I explained to him um, about the app, you know, I thought it was really interesting and that I thought it would be perfect for Barcelona, but I had to go there, you know, I had to go to Barcelona, be on the ground, speak to bar owners, restaurant owners, um, speak with startups, investors, really anyone in, in that area and see if this idea would be feasible. So he totally understood, very supportive guy. My husband is, I love him to death. And um, basically I was on a plane two or three days later coming to Barcelona with a one-way ticket. And I was supposed to stay about two weeks, ended up being uh, two months. And then somewhere in those two months, you know, I called Dom and my husband and um, we talked about moving here permanently to start Beta. 
Um, so we moved out here a few months later in January. At this point in time, you'd, you had already started a um, restaurant-related app, right? Yeah. So during the MBA, I um, so students have the opportunity to do either an internship during the summer for another company, or you can take part in this entrepreneurial experience during the summer. And um, you know, me being an entrepreneur, I am uh, <laughs> decided to go for the entrepreneurial experience. So I um, came up with this concept called Crowd Eats, and it was a way to get groups of people into restaurants who had extra capacity and wanted to get more people through their doors. And um, we kind of, I, I say we, but it's really I. <laughs> this is a habit of, of entrepreneurs too. You make everything seem bigger than it is. Um, so <laughs> you know, during the time, I, um, I really saw that organizing a group outing was such a pain. And I think this is still a pain today, by the way, if anyone wants to take this idea. <laughs> Um, so if it's your birthday, you know, and you want to have 20 people go to a restaurant, you want to plan a dinner for I don't know, a week or two from now, um, you know, what would you normally do? You'd call up, you know, a few of your, the, your favorite restaurants that you've been to, see if they have space. If they don't have space, you maybe venture out into restaurants you haven't been to before or referrals from friends. You have to go to the restaurant see if it makes sense. You know, it's, it's a long process, negotiate a deal for the menu with the owners, um, so it's just a bit of a pain. And what we did with CrowdEats is we basically um, flipped the script. So as a group organizer, you just had to post an ad for your event on the platform on CrowdEats um, saying, you know, how many people, what type of uh, event are you looking for, what area of the city, etc. And then you would have restaurants competing against one another to win your group reservation. So you'd get offers from, you know, X number of restaurants and then you and your group would be able to select the offering that you want most. So it was uh, kind of a, a reverse model of what you would normally see. Um, and I had this uh, company, I ended up having it for about a year. Um, it was, you know, revenue generating from day one, which was really interesting. Um, thanks to the ESA network, you know, it was really easy to start proving an MVP, a minimal viable product. And uh, I thought the space was really interesting. I love the hospitality industry. You know, growing up in a hotel, I saw um, a lot of that. And for some reason, it, it really attracts me. Um, I think it's a really fun, dynamic industry. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did have some experience in the space before starting Beta, yeah. Tell me about Beta. So Beta started off as a drink-a-day subscription, uh, just like the company I, I saw in the U.S. So what that means is you get one free drink every single day at any of our partner bars for 10 euros a month. And uh, now we've moved over to a slightly different model. Um, it's a free drink every three hours. <laughs> and then <laughs> Every three hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the idea is, especially for Barcelona, is, you know, people are, are going out several times a day for lunch, for dinner, um, after dinner for a cocktail, uh, especially the tourists who are here visiting for a few days, you know. So we wanted to make it more attractive for them, um, give them more value for their money. So um, we changed the model to a free drink every three hours at any of our, now we have almost 60 bars on our app. They're all four-star and up bars, um, meaning they have at least a four-star rating on TripAdvisor, Facebook reviews, Google reviews, etc. Um, quality is really important to us. And members simply purchase one of our drink passes. So we have 
um, you know, three day, seven day, um, one month passes um, for a very, very cheap price. So basically the, the one month pa- passes $14.99, which gives you a free drink every three hours for one entire month. Um, so if you do the math, I mean, we have cocktails on our app that are 12 euros. So if you go just once, you're pretty much almost paying off your monthly subscription. If you go twice, you're basically you know, saving money, making profit. So can you go to the same bar every night or? You could technically, yeah. Um, we don't have any restrictions at the moment because it just hasn't been a, a problem so far. Um, you know, if it is a problem, that's kind of like how we uh, run our startup as well. Like we don't build things unless we see a need for it. Um, and of course, need is very <laughs> subjective as well. But, you know, we have a process in place and we, um, yeah, we only build things when it's an absolute must. And uh, so far that you know, that hasn't been an issue. We don't have people going back to the same venues. I think our, our target um, demographic, they tend to want to discover, you know, new places. They're not really people who go to the same places all the time. And that's kind of why they see value in our app is they get to discover all these cool new hotspots in Barcelona that they may not have found otherwise. That sounds fun. As a, as a way to, to visit a city and, uh, well, to try new things. What does your average day look like? Uh, yeah, so I'm definitely running around a lot. I, yesterday, I think I had four or five meetings um, all around the city. Um, so a lot of the times I'm you know, meeting with restaurant owners, uh, potential investors. Uh, now we're looking for an office space, so I'm looking at office spaces uh, meeting with my team. Um, I'm doing a lot of presentations. <laughs> At this point, we're also raising um, fundraising. We're raising financing. So I'm starting to think about about that, really. Like, I have to speak with my investors in, in a few weeks. Um, so we, we, invest, we raised a small seed round uh, around this time last year, maybe a bit later in the year. And now we're doing a, a follow-on round. So, you know, I have to start planning for that, putting together projections, um, putting together a budget, and then a plan for actually doing the follow-on financing. I mean, yeah, every day is so different. Um, now we have some new collaborators coming on board, so onboarding them is really one of my main focuses, making sure that they're up to speed with everything so that they can you know, run on their own and they don't need hand-holding. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. It's a bit insane. <laughs> You're a Canadian woman who runs a business in Spain. What are the challenges of a startup in Spain? Yeah, so <laughs> this has definitely been one of my biggest stresses, um, I would say, as a, a startup in Spain, you know, coming from Canada um, or myself coming from Canada. I think, like most people know, I don't, I don't think this is too much of a generalization, but North America is very efficient when it comes to a lot of things. So, you know, Delaware companies are like, the holy grail of starting companies. It's like a 10 minute thing I've heard, uh, legend says. But um, in Canada, I know from experience, it takes you know two or three hours to start a company and it costs a few hundred dollars Canadian. So I think it was like 300 Canadian when I last went, which is super cheap. It's like 200 euros. And here, um, so the incorporation process is a minimum of 3000 but because of all the bureaucracy and delays and issues and everything, we've probably spent over 10,000 euros just to, yeah, just to incorporate the company and, and really get everything settled. Um, you know, even the financing we raised last uh, August 
And we only finally got the the final, final, final paper signed um, about two weeks ago. I went to the notary, um, you know, and in between August and, and two weeks ago, I went back to the notary at least four or five times to sign different documents because there were issues with, you know, someone's last name or someone's um, NIA number, which is like their, their identification number or you know, clauses in our incorporation documents that are outdated and, you know, it's stuff that's out of my control completely. It's, you know, either the lawyers or the notaries or something was missing along the way somewhere. Um, so it's it's quite frustrating, you know, dealing with all that bureaucracy coming from such an uh, efficient uh, environment in, in North America. Um, it's definitely frustrating. I've kicked walls <laughs> at times. Um, I have a scuff mark on the entrance of my my flat here, and I I, I leave it there as a reminder. You know, like, um, it's it can be really easy to get frustrated, and um, I, I, at the same time, the the reasons why you know this country is um, very difficult to to start a, a company in or or do things in is the same reason why I actually moved here and why I love it so much. So the relaxed mentality of people here, you know, they're so easygoing. They're so chill. Um, I love so much, but you know, it also causes these inefficiencies on the business side, unfortunately. Do you think it's harder as a foreigner to get things done? Yeah, naturally, you know, my, my Spanish isn't perfect. I would say it's at like 80% fluency. So just naturally communicating with people is sometimes a struggle, especially if it's more you know, technical jargon. If I go into a meeting with a notary or lawyer and they're talking very you know, legal, technical terms, yeah, it can be really challenging and, and frustrating because obviously I want to understand 100% of what's going on and I don't need anything to be even the least bit vague. Um, so that's definitely frustrating, but then I also see benefits to it. You know, I think a lot of people here, um, in Spain, um, see North Americans in a different light and kind of have, have more trust in us just because we are North American, have kind of different mentality. People here have really welcomed me and I'm so grateful, um, from restaurant owners who, you know, gave beat a chance when we were first starting out and when we had no restaurants on board at all you know to get those first 15 it was a lot easier than I thought it would be um, just coming from abroad not knowing any of them um, prior um, people were very supportive and I think that's you know the the flip side of Barcelona is you know everyone here is is very open to to working with you and trying new things and if I want to meet anyone in the city, you know, whether it's um, a restaurant owner or even Ferran Adria, who I've met, or other very prominent people in the city, people are, are super open to chatting with you and uh, giving you feedback or you know, giving you, helping you out with contacts or, or whatnot. So that sounds pretty uh, fairly enriching as a, an overall experience. Yeah, absolutely. Living in Spain, are you concerned about? what's happening in Catalonia and how it'll affect your business. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a concern that we have, you know, every time something happens here, it makes me a bit more nervous. Um, obviously we want to move into other cities in Spain, including Madrid. And if uh, we're a different country here in Catalonia, it makes things a lot more difficult. So it is something that uh, makes me nervous, but at the same time, you know, I have to, move on with our, our day-to-day, I can't, you know, lose focus. So uh, 
you know, a part of me just says like, hey, this is completely out of your control right now. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, there, there's nothing I can do. So I just have to go on with our business and whatever happens, happens and we'll deal with it when that, that time comes. What are the challenges of being a woman in tech? So, um, you know, I definitely think in some meetings or uh, some places that go, there's a bit of a boys club going on. But for the most part, I feel like I've almost been at an advantage here in Barcelona as a woman in tech. Um, you know, I've had so many um, female entrepreneurs or even male entrepreneurs reach out to me about speaking at different events. Um, so woman focused events, but also just general events. Um, but I think it's, it's unique. It's unique to have a female in, in entrepreneurship. And because of that, I kind of have uh, a leg up. So I've been, uh, I think I've been blessed to be, to be a female in entrepreneurship. I think it's, it's, sometimes shocking to people when I tell them what they do they're like really and, and you work for this company and I'm like oh no I'm the founder and they're like oh wow you know they're like really impressed and it feels good but I'm you know I'm happy that I'm also encouraging other women to do it or inspiring other women to do it. I've had women reach out to me and you know just to tell me I, I'm doing great and the app is great and keep going and you're so inspiring and I hope to be an entrepreneurship uh, an entrepreneur myself one day and it's really humbling, um, and I'm, I'm just so glad that people see it that way. Do you see yourself as a serial entrepreneur or as someone who wants to shepherd a single idea to long-term implementation? I definitely see myself uh, more in the former light. So I uh, just, you know, the nature of my mind, I get bored very easily. I'm always thinking of new ideas. Um, I always want to try new things and learn new things. So I think uh, I'm more definitely on the side of serial entrepreneurship. Um, I hope, you know, I love beating it to death and um, I want to grow it, you know, for, for the next few years, this is absolutely my baby um, and I, I want to see it take off. Um, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about that next thing that I'll, I'll be doing, you know, I'm always on the lookout for new ideas and uh, just in my personal day to day, I see so many of them. So uh, yeah, definitely cereal. <laughs> What's your end game with Beta? What's a successful exit? Uh, I think being acquired by a company like Airbnb or TripAdvisor or um, Time Out could be really interesting. These are companies who want to create a better experience for visitors to a city or even locals um, within a city. Uh, so a platform like Beta, an app like Beta could definitely augment an experience in a city, helps you, you know, discover new places and have a much better time within a city. So, um, yeah, that would be great. Obviously, we want to expand as well. So uh, hopefully be in Madrid and Ibiza and maybe other cities outside of Spain eventually as well. Do you see yourself being an entrepreneur for life? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I It's really hard to picture myself going back to a more corporate life or even working for someone else. Um, I just love being my own boss. And, you know, I, I work really hard, but at the same time, if I need a day off, I will take a day off. And I love being able to make that decision. So, um, you know, I can go 10 days straight and then just be like, oh, I'm really tired today. <laughs> I'm just... I'm going to take a little bit of a break, you know? Um, so I like that freedom. Um, but I also love just learning about so many different areas. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see myself going back to corporate 
really tough to envision. You, you've talked to me in the past about uh, the importance of legacy for you. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as I get older, um, and I am getting older, <laughs> you know, the question of like what the purpose of life is and um, I guess all these existential questions come up at times. Um, and one of the things that always crosses my mind is, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? What's our purpose? Um, and for me, when it, when it, you know, gets down to the core of why I am who I am or why I'm doing what I'm doing, it's really about legacy. Um, so I think it's important that you're not forgotten after, you know, you pass away, um, move on to the next life, whatever, however you want to call it. I don't want people to um, just forget about me. I want people to talk about me and, you know, a positive light, obviously, um, look back and say, hey, look what she did. This is amazing. We're so proud of her. Um, yeah, that's that's really important to me. Um, you know, I hope that my great, great, great grandkids talk about me. <laughs> that's kind of the dream. What do you want them to say? <laughs> um, well, you know, Every generation in my family, I think, has um, kind of paved the way for um, the future generation's success. Obviously, like most families, most uh, most people around the world, I think. Um, and I, I hope that my um, time here on Earth would have made the future generations' lives a lot easier, um, or you know, just facilitated things along the way um, because of what I did. Thanks for listening to Not That Original. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and feel free to share this podcast.